Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Today's podcast looks at how we can build trust with horses. In this case, we're going to talk about a wild horse that's just okay with being touched and an older station horse that probably has quite a few issues. We're also going to look at maintaining trust on a lead in a circle. So, Mark, the first question for you comes from Nat, and she has a Brumby, so a wild horse, for anyone that's not from Australia, who has suddenly turned a corner and decided to accept friendship. So Nat can go up to her in the paddock at Liberty, and she'll walk up, and after she stands quietly for a few minutes... She'll have a sniff and even ask for a few scratches. It's usually the head first, then the wither, and then down the front legs. Nat will pause often, and she seems to touch her to say, keep going, I'm, I'm okay with that. And if Nat sits down, she'll stand over her. So after three months, this is what Nat says is magical and a, a big step forward for them both. However, this mare is walking away quite often, And Nat's not sure what to do next. She doesn't want to ruin the connection and trust that they've built by coming along with a halter because even introducing a a brush is causing a bit of apprehension. So Nat would like to know how far can she ask for things without breaking the trust? Have you got any suggestions for her, please, Mark? Um, Yeah. So though I meet a lot of broken horses, uh, that have, you know, people have gone too far trying to, you know, get a handle on them, especially the wilder horses, the ones that have been sort of never never really been around people. And then all of a sudden the uh, the little horses are petrified of the, of the people. Um, though I see that damage, there's another side to the whole thing that horses are quite um, good at coping with pressure if we apply it in certain ways and there's always um, some clarity and some answers in there and there's also freedom to make decisions. So, so basically um, the, the young, like the, the, the very sensitive, very aware horses will teach us to be very sometimes overcautious. So we'll work a lot on connection, approach and retreat. You know, as soon as we approach the horse, the horse will sort of show some signs of anxiety and we wait a little bit. The horse softens and then we sort of walk in and we can start to touch them. And then when everything's a bit low key, the horse gets enough confidence up to start to become curious. And like you said, you know, you're sitting down now and she's coming up and standing over you and, and stuff like that, which is which is really nice. But they have to get used to the bigger situations, you know, the bigger movements, all that sort of stuff. So basically what I start to do is I start to walk around and become more aware of myself and where I'm going and not be so hyper-focused on the horse and its, uh, you know, it, its connection with us. So I just walk around and I do stuff. Um, so basically you've got to start to really try and say, well, this is my normal way of walking around and I walk around like this and I pick up a bit of manure and I go and check this out and then I walk, you know, and, and, and then start to do your approach and retreat a little bit at a faster pace as well so you know walk up and when she gets a little tight don't sort of stop and wait and then back off quietly 
as soon as you see your horse get a little tight, you just kind of walk off in a new direction, maintain the same speed, don't don't sort of um, adjust your energy so much, just to maybe adjust um, the distance you have with the horse by just walking away a little bit in another direction and just turning off and walking somewhere else and walking in and and things like that, and then start to approach your horse with stuff in your hand, you know, just sort of have it in your hand and move your hands around while you're doing stuff, you know, point out a few birds in the trees and walk away and start to um, be a more active but calm person, you know. So otherwise the the, the really um, sensitive horses, they'll just teach us to be super-duper gurus that, that, the, the, that only sensitive uh, soft, cautious people will be able to approach those horses. So we're slowly, um, and you're not going to break the connection if you don't trap your horse and try and hold on to it too, you know, too early or anything like that. You're just exposing the horse to a faster pace of uh, movement, uh, a little bit more energy. Um, and if you don't use your energy to chase and send your horse around and things like that, that big energy won't be a threat. Uh, it'll just become a normal thing that that horse starts to get used to. So, uh, and then, as I say, when you're moving around, you've got stuff in your hands, that'll just start to become the norm. Uh, it just might take a little bit of time for your horse to get used to it. And uh, because you've you've obviously been working in a certain pattern and rhythm that, that has suited that horse and, 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 and helped it gain a connection. But now you've got to sort of just be more normal. Um and as I say, it's, 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 it's just showing the horse that, you know, don't be so worried about, about differences in us and, and just keep doing that for a while. And soon enough, you'll, you'll be able to approach with a halter and touch with a rope and things like that and put a rope over the horse and, and things like that. So, and also there's a point where you're going to have to control the situation a little more to help your horse. Uh, but first of all, I just try to, to, um, yeah, to just be a bit bigger in everything you're doing and just more normal actually more normal the same way as you act around people um that that you're comfortable with um but just be wary that you can't just you know barge into their space and and uh so that's what i say instead of kind of lowering your energy as your horse gets a little wary i would keep my energy the same and just deflect off in another direction and then come back in again from another angle and i'd always walk around from different angles and come into the horse from different angles the other thing i'd also be i watch out for is uh, when you're moving about, some of those really sensitive horses, they want to put two eyes on and they want to keep two eyes on you. So basically, um, you've got to be careful that you don't allow them to keep two eyes on you because sometimes that means they'll always feel unsafe when you're at different angles of their eye down, down, you know, at different areas or you're approaching from the hip and things like that. So, so you know, really be conscious that um, the, the, the little horse can be sort of comfortable with you at, at all parts uh, of all angles uh, from sorry from all angles of the eye and and yeah just do more of that and see how you go you might find uh, she'll cope with more than you think because um horses can cope with with pressure as long as there's alternatives and answers in there and there's a bit of freedom to make some choices and things like that that, that then they'll come around and they'll be be okay how hard is it going to be for her to keep going at liberty in a big paddock where I guess the mare, if she's uncomfortable, she can move away. She can go and sort of go to the things that she's very familiar with. It's it's much harder to yeah. sort of get her, isn't, isn't mm. it, than so, in the yard? Situation. Yeah, well, sometimes I try and, yeah, so sometimes I try and think about where the horse would like to be. 
And I sort of, if the horse starts to kind of look in a direction saying, oh, well, I don't want to be here, I might go to a safe spot, I just walk over to that safe spot and sort of turn up there while they're on their way over there. So I kind of beat them there a little bit. And then I'll, when they've got their thoughts on me, I'll just walk away and do something else and they'll come back again. And I do a lot of approach and retreat in the sense of uh, approaching and then, you know, getting the horse to notice me a bit and then walking away somewhere else and coming back in and just, just keeping a bit busy um, but not doing the old, you know, the cat stalking sort of quiet sort of, you know, full focus on the horse and I want to make a connection sort of stuff just – uh, and you find that, you know, you're just busy yourself. You go to different parts of the paddock and come back again. And, and soon enough, they'll be following you around um, because it's not so intense. When it's that intense kind of quiet, you know, approach and retreat, approach and retreat, approach and retreat like that, it's sometimes when the horse, it's so intense that the horse, when it turns off, it needs to kind of, you know, get it, you know, go away and have some freedom. So I tend to do approach and retreat where approach horse gets a little nervous, I get its attention, then I might walk off and do something else, give it give it a complete sort of, oh, right, they went away and they came back. And then after a while, they actually go, well, actually, I, I kind of like having a bit of company, so I might, might hang around you. Um, so you, you're doing approach and retreat in a way that gives them a break in between all those approaches, but those approaches are a bit more active and a bit more uh, real. And um, and then they get used to you being a normal person and they get that, that space and time in between that they don't need to hunt that because because uh, they don't have an intense focus on you. They don't have to worry about having a rest from that intense focus and getting into another place where they can just decompress because uh, you're allowing that to happen in the, the approach and retreat. Uh, and that'll help them in the bigger yard. But sometimes in, if you can get them into a smaller area where you, you've got a bit more control over the situation by by having a few boundaries, um, you know, then, they, then they'll start to seek you out a little bit more. And I just want to mention too, just about that, um, you know, the comment about introducing something foreign like a halter or a brush, you know, that's going to sort of create another level of, you know, um, uncertainty and, um, you know, for for the for this Bromby mare. So um, how, you know, how can you sort of just go about introducing things like that? Like when I used to work a lot of brumbies and things like that, I'd, I I would start the lesson. I might have a stick in my hand and might have a bit of a string attached to it and I'd just be flicking that string walking around like it's a, a tail that I can't control. So basically at a distance the horse sees that thing in my hand and it and, and, and I'd, I'd do, you know, the whole session uh, just with a just with a little bit of a rope flicking or something like that or you can have a holder just, just sort of swinging the holder in your hand at a rhythm and, you know, the holder's not really got anything to do with your body language. It's almost like, um, like it'd be the same as if you had a, you know, a, a, a baggy sort of shirt on and there was a breeze and that shirt kept just flapping in the breeze. You can't control it, but that's like a an extra stimulant that is happening that's not part of your energy or your, you know, your personality. So when I've got a holder or a brush or something in my hand, I just kind of, I just, move it around and it's just like there and I'm just doing stuff with it and it's in there and it's got nothing to do with the way I'm walking or the uh, conversation I'm having with the horse in my body language. It's just just kind of there and it, then it becomes more of a neutral sort of thing uh, and the horse goes, oh, well, you know, they, they start to see it and they start to get used to it more. You know, they've, you know so if you, if you were like you come in as a threat, if you came in, twice the height you know so you get a really really small person like a little kid walk up to a horse and then you get a big adult walk in well the adult can't be a kid 
they've just got to deal with being big and tall and looking more scary maybe. So they've just got to live with that. So if I have a holder attached to my hand and it grew there since I was a baby, well, I've got to live with that. So you just attach things to you that are just part of you as as you approach these horses, but um, you don't just kind of gently always introduce the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing. You just think, well, what's the things that I'm going to need when I, try, when, I, when I go and handle my horse? Well, that's the thing I'm going to carry around with me like it's like it's a you know part of me and 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 um and then, then and that the goes back to that, that thought it's not something that yeah, sorry that goes back to that thought too of not um uh you know you're sort of not being hyper focused on them because actually you're mucking around with the rape you're playing with the brush or whatever it is it's just part of you it's not i'm bringing part this me, to yeah, you kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, thought yeah yeah, yeah. We, okay, we get cool. a bit too intense with our horses that's the biggest thing and i was the same in my learning process around horses you know i thought i had to you know that intenseness helped me listen to the horses and watch every detail and learn off them but after a while it could be a hindrance because you had this kind of fully intense kind of thing happening all the time instead of just being a normal sort of person and, you know, doing your own thing like horses do around each other, even when they meet each other, you know. Oh, you know, like, they, oh, I've got to sniff that manure there, right, eh? I've done that now. And, um, you know, <laughs> they just do stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And when we get with horses, we're like these kind of like, you know, really intense kind of, and, 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 it, and, and as I say to people, we get so intense trying to get this connection with our horses it looks like the intensity that a lion has when it's stalking a zebra and they don't want them to be mm. noticed or a cat stalking mm. a bird. It's so intense um, that we have to be super careful. We don't become like that when we're, we're trying to be actually better. We can become too intense and, and like just quickly because, yeah. you know, one day I was, I was doing a little talk with someone uh, uh, overseas uh, and, and and I said, maybe when you go out in the paddock, take the heat off your horse, take the emotional heat off your horse and go out there and, you know, just phone a friend and talk to them or just sit in a paddock and, you know, drink a beer or whatever. Don't don't go out and have this kind of amazing sort of connection with your horse. Just go out and hang with your horse in a way that you're doing something for yourself because it's just nice for the horse just to be around, but it doesn't. it's not so nice to always have some sort of uh, communication constantly happening i think sometimes we overdo that yeah yeah so i always think about that sort of herd scenario you're trying to create a place that they're comfortable coming to not necessarily you're trying to force a relationship i think there's quite a big difference yeah yeah all right Um, so you're then annoying them all the time (laughs) <laughs> okay next question is from chrissy and um it, this is this is another sort of quite interesting one um she's got a mare who's 11 years old now but she's had her for just over a year came from a cattle station and was only ever used for mustering um very hard to handle her feet and she's just sensitive all over they've been practicing leading by um, the leading by exercises that you do she's not keen on chrissy being on her offside and on the weekend, she swung her butt towards her uh, with her ears back. And that ended as quickly as it began because Chrissy was able to pull her to face her and to give her a fright, though. But she's sort of wanting to change things a little bit. She doesn't want to be put in that scenario. Um, so she's sort of gone back to doing things like getting her to side pass over to her at a fence or a rail and spending time on that offside. Um, now, is that kind of approach okay 
so that she can make sort of build up a little bit more trust and help her to feel a bit more comfortable with her being on that side or should she be doing something else? Um, as I was reading that question earlier on, um, a, a little kind of red flag popped up in my mind and that was the part of it you went back to getting her to sidle over to you beside you. I've come across quite a few horses that are still nervous down the side, but they've been taught to sidle over. And there and I'm not saying this is what you've done, but you may know if you've done it or not and to to, to then rectify it. But so I'm not really blaming you so much so I'm just sort of saying there's something I noticed quite a lot in the horses that have been sidled over, but they're still worried down the side is um, when they get nervous. So so I'll give you a, 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 I'll tell you a little story and it might make sense. So one day I had a, um, a pacer at a clinic and I may have told this story on the podcast before, but, um, and it had been to like a, a, a rehab place that rehabs the off the track paces to then go out into the world as a riding horse and it was taught a lot of QE sort of stuff, you know, like it had, you know, I think it kind of, so, you know, it was taught by making the wrong thing, you know, difficult or the wrong location difficult and then the, the right location easy. And I, it really was, was um, um, really became clear to me when I was on the mounting block because this horse sidled over, but it sidled over with a hard eye and an anxiety in it that just didn't look right and the movement was kind of a bit rigid. And then when it got to the mounting block and it said, well, I'm here now, you know, the get on spot where I'm supposed to release, I asked for some soft movement and the soft movement that I was asking for was just to see if the horse was adjustable near the mounting block in case one day you're out in the paddock and you got like a, like a few holes and a few rocks or the, or you, you have to get on from a different position because things just can't, aren't quite right with the, um, you know, with the with the geography, you have to make your horse adjustable. But the horse saw me adjusting it as pressure. It just started to recognise that I, I want a release. So it was starting to tell me you must release. So it started getting a harder eye, started kicking, it started doing all these, you know, really, really aggressive sort of defense, more de oh, sorry, defensive behaviours. And, and what that was, was just the horse telling me that, must release now because it was trained through pressure and release okay so i just want you to think of that scenario i'm not saying you exactly taught your horse to sidle over but i just want everyone to think about that so if a horse is frightened down one side and you haven't spent enough time getting it to pass you with its eye there's going to be a spot where it gets worried okay now if you spend a bit of time on a rail and you've used some form of uh, pressure to get that horse to come and sidle over if that pressure worried the horse and caused it to sidle over to you to hunt a release and it stands there and gets that release what's happening is when your horse is going past you there's still an area that gets quite nervous because sidling over to you in this sort of an obedient fashion and asking a horse to walk by softly can can be two different things. So when the horse gets a little stuck on one eye and it sees you on the side, uh, it's going to get a hard feeling because it's going, I'm going to start sidling. And some of them get angry and they'll turn their hip in quite strong because they think they've got to come over. Now, 
that will be more prevalent if you've kind of used that stick on the outside, bump, bump, move over, relax, bump, bump, move over, relax. So the horse is starting to push into you quite a lot because they're worried and you're saying just go backwards and forwards past me. They start to go, okay, I need, I'm beside you now and I'm starting to worry. I must move sideways. So you can actually get this feeling the horse is pushing and some will get angry and start to push their hip into you. Just like I said, this standard bred did, he started kicking and doing all these sort of defensive behaviours purely because he was hunting release. So um, that's just trying to sort of say that some of the sidling over may have caused some of that issue. Um, so I would stop getting your horse to sidle over, especially if you were sort of doing it from a stick on the outside or something like that for a little while and just purely work on just getting that horse to rock past you softly while you stand still and walk past you in a straight line just a nice simple straight line so um if you're having trouble i would say that the brace is happening a little earlier and you may be asking your horse uh, so you may be asking your horse to come too far past mm -hmm. so i would just sort of have the horse in front of you and then just ask for it forward a bit back a bit forward a bit back a bit and until that eye just gently goes past you a tiny bit and then you back the horse out and then forward a bit and then back out until the horse is soft there and then you just leave it for a bit then you ask again until at every position that you've asked that horse softly backwards and forwards it's nice and loose and comfortable so you're grading the exposure on that eye and getting the horse to soften in the field before you even ask them all the way past so it's not like a leading past lesson where you just ask them by and then ask them by again and ask them by again you actually um using approach and retreat by not you approaching and retreating but them approaching a little retreating a little approaching a little retreating a little until they can walk all past and if they're nervous horses i find this this approach works really well and you'll feel the nervousness and brace and mm -hmm. and, and as they brace there you just take them into that brace back them out of it take them into that brace and then they'll soften and then the brace might get a little further past you but everything up until that point gets soft and then in a bit It'll get further along again until it disappears and they're just soft with you down their side. But I think some of the sidling over might be causing some of the extra anxiety because the horse is getting into position and it's almost thinking, I'm close, I'm, I'm beside you, I need to stand still and you need to take the pressure off because this is what I got taught in another lesson. So just very quickly, what are some of the signs of those, those braces of, of being really uncomfortable? You're standing right up close to a horse. What should you be looking for? Well, you're looking for just... the, um, like the biggest thing is the expression, you know, like you'll see a kind of, I see a kind of a squaring of the eye, you know, where the eye kind of squares up a bit and it gets more frozen and there'll be less, 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 um, less blinking and things like that. They sort of, sort of harden and it's getting that like frozen look of like, you know, when, when you can imagine someone, um, you know, arachnophobic sees a spider, they go, oh, geez, and they kind of stare and freeze. Uh, or some just scream and run off. But, you know, everyone's got a different response, just like every horse has got a different response. But one of those responses is, you know, could be shallow breathing, yet the breathing is quite, um, you know, some suddenly disappears a little bit. You don't you don't see the nostrils moving a lot or you see like they don't the, sniff. the face go yeah. very still, very still, mm -hmm. and sometimes they get some uh, extra wrinkles over their nose and things like that around their eyes and get more wrinkled and they just harden up the ears will freeze and be a little bit more um tight and and generally you'll see a tightening through all their muscles as well 
and that's usually the indication that they're starting to freeze a little and you'll feel it in your hand as they're leading. So so, so that all those expressions that you're looking for as you're grading that exposure on that eye, you'll feel those things happen and then you'll just back your horse out of that and bring it into that until basically it's, it's saying loose and that's not happening. And, and, and it's yeah. the same process a horse goes through if you were walking up to them just doing approach, soft, wait, wait a bit till they soften, back off a little bit. It's the same thing except you're getting the horse to do the moving and softening so you're more empowering them opposed to you just walk up their side uh you know moving backwards and forwards until they let you pass them and that sort of um you know increasing of the exposure of, of rocking backwards and forwards is going to help with those feet isn't it because once she can get yep. her to walk very close to her comfortably all of a sudden it's going to release yep. what she was stopping happening before. Soft movement. So yes. basically, once soft movement's established, the standing will be soft. Um, if you did all the time just getting the horse to soften at a standstill, you still got to find out what happens when it moves. So you may as well have it moving, and then and then it's more productive training because you're actually getting two things done at the same time. Um, so so in a week's time, the horse will be more advanced. It'll be softer in the lead. It'll know how to move. Uh, it'll have way less freeze in it. Uh, everything will sort of be ticking along a lot better where the other way you've you've only spent all that time with you doing all the softening and maybe you don't need to soften that the horse needs to soften yeah great okay well, there's a few fair few um tips in there for you chrissy i hope that helps so we're going to move on to a slightly different topic now because obviously these questions come from the online members are people who sort of um have access to mark's training videos and they just you know want to have that clarification of you know what they're doing so it's, it's you know it's wonderful that mark can just step in and go right you know these are some ideas um so the next question um, it's on a different topic it's from kelly and she wants to improve her horse going at a trot while they are following a feel sort of on a so on a rope on the ground so um her brumby um very responsive to moving into a trot using the forward feel of her of the lead rope However, he finds it really hard to maintain a circle. He keeps falling in with his inside shoulder, almost runs over the top of her and then stops and faces up. They can't complete a full circle. How She wants to know how do they maintain a space between herself and and him. Um, and she's guessing she'd have the same problem at a walk, but they actually haven't tried that. I wonder why you haven't tried it at a walk, Kelly. <laughs> yes, um, make sure it works at a walk. <laughs> Because that's well, <laughs> what's going to happen at a yeah at a walk is um you're going to be a lot clearer. You're going to be everything's going to be in slow mo, so uh, you're going to use your rope skills better. All those things are going to be sort of clearer, or you're going to offer more clarity when you're working at speed. Um, you know, you have to everything you're doing has to be a bit faster, and 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 you've almost got to do that at, with your eyes closed at a walk before you go to speed. I'm not saying. Yeah, exactly. But I'm just saying it's good to good to be very efficient at a walk before. And in your own skill set, it's good to be very efficient at a walk. That's not including the horse's skill set, which needs to be very efficient at the walk and um, before you go to speed. So um, there's a lot of different little lessons you can do. And one of the ones is how are you standing when you're asking your horse to start the journey out? Okay, so sometimes people ask the horse out, but they're actually walking back a little bit, drawing the horse's thoughts and feet in at the same time. Some horses push in to us with their shoulder because they're actually looking out and they're not present. And they're looking out in a way that's kind of gazing, but they're not actually, they've been, they've been so, 
I'm not saying he's the one that's been happened to this, but other horses will do it because they're just they're looking out at everything, but they don't actually go out towards their thoughts. They just look at everything and then they push it in because their their head's looking that way and their shoulders are going this way. Funny though, I want a horse to look out when I want them to go out, but I want it to be a more thoughtful. I want to go there, and I my feet, my foot soldiers will support the king or the queen, which is the thoughts, to make that decision. So so a horse can look, but some horses don't support that thought with movement. They've just been maybe taught in the past that, you know, not to be centred and present, and then they've learnt to look around, but then they've been taught to be obedient, so they just keep their feet there, but their mind's everywhere else. So what I'm trying to teach horses all the time, that if you have a thought, you have feet that can support that. So when you get a horse to go out, you want them looking out, and then able to move their feet towards their thoughts. So that's something you can practice and everyone can practice that. It's, I'm not gonna go through every single detail how to do it, but you know, if you just stand in front of your horse and just push, the, push that lead, lead rope across, you want that horse to look out. Then when you ask for some movement, the horse can follow that, that the thoughts don't come back to you as soon as the movement happens. And that generally happens, a horse can look out, but then all of a sudden when you, do something to get some movement, the, the horse will look back at you. So one way to get him out is to look out and go towards his thoughts with his feet. The other way is I would do a lot of lifting and sliding horses so they know how to bend. And so now this one is not necessarily looking out less and it's just a horse that knows how to slide away from an inside rein. And then you let the rein out and let them go in a straight line. So it's very important that in your training you're not doing circles too early so it's very easy to do circles and the horse won't go out on a straight line so one of the simple lessons which i think might be the one that'll suit you and your horse at the moment is get him to lead backwards and forwards really softly so he's in your hand and be able to lift up and you stand solid and you can push your hand over and up a bit and he's going to slide across so you can almost like imagine that i'm pushing my arms out like that like i'm pushing like I'm, I've, got, I've got a wall either side of me and I'm actually trying to push the two walls away. So one of those arms take away one of those walls and I start here and I push my horse sideways like that with a little lift and they kind of lift their wither and they move over sideways. And there's some videos online of uh, any horses that are stuck in the chest and I'm trying to lift them up. You'll see a few of those online. And that gets them to loosen up and slide across. And when they're in that sliding kind of feeling motion, they're, they're sliding, they're feeling soft, they're not pushing. And you can, you can slide across, stop, slide across again, and actually do a, actually quite a, quite a, you know, you can go sideways for quite a way if you wanted, just to get them in that nice sliding sideways movement where they can just slide across a little. So basically, if a horse was coming straight towards you and then you picked up under the chin and you pushed across, it would just slide across with that feel, just like you're pushing, uh, like if you're walking along and you're pushing branches out of the way, uh, but you were standing still and as the branches were coming to you, you were pushing them out of the way like that. And so you can actually get your horse under the chin, push them across and the whole horse moves across. So, so that's what you kind of want to practice until your horse can slide across and then just stay out on the end of your hand like a clothesline and just walk softly until they let go of that idea that in's available. And when they sort of soften and carry that forward thought, you'll see it turn into a sideways and then you ask them forward and you walk with them for a bit and they'll have a forward thought. When they have that forward thought, you just pour them and they go out in a straight line. And I really want you to encourage your horse to go in a straight line and then do a corner and then go in a straight line and then do a corner. 
And then what happens is when you pour that rope out, the horse is going out because the rope is letting it go out. It's not just circling in because it's looking at us and the rope's not doing anything except touching the ground and not causing any um, inside rain effect on the horse. So we're really trying to get that horse to hunt that straight line. And in the walk, you would practice this till you can send your horse out on a long rope all the way to the end in the straight line and do a half corner and then it'll come across and it'll cut the corner and come across out there somewhere. And then that's how you eventually develop the circle. So when you lead your horse past and it trots out, it's not trotting out and falling in, it's trotting out until you pick up a feel of the inside rein and it's to do a little turn. And eventually that creates that circle. But then by then you've got the horse that you can pour the rope out and you can create a bigger circle because the horse is following the feel of the inside rein, not just hooking onto us going, hey, I'm looking at you and I just might come in anyway. Okay, so it takes a little while, but I think it's really good for horses because a lot of the horses I get to clinics that have had a lot of circling work, like a lot of horsemanship, some people got a little stuck doing a lot of circles on their horses, circle this way, disengage hip, circle that way, that you actually can't get them to do a straight line. You can't kind of ground drive them out because they just circle around in front. So go back to sort of practicing that straight line, corner, straight line, corner. And then as you ask your horse up into that trot, it'll trot out. And then you just start to balance yourself and pivot your shoulder, twist your shoulders in a way that the horse does to go, oh, she's going in a new direction. I'm going to turn a bit. And I'll go straight again. And, and then they start to do the big circles around you. Um, there, there, there are times as well, and, and I know I've, I've done this with people just to help them, where the horse got a little confused and your rope skills still aren't quite up to scratch, where I've had the flag and the horse is kind of focused in and said, I'm going to come in. And then I just shake the flag like that and say, well, that's not available. And they go, oh, that's not available. And then they'll just not come in because you've just said, hey, don't come in. Now, people might say, oh, that's driving. Well, it's not driving. It's just saying, don't come in. It's not chasing them out. You're not getting in and saying, get out there. It's just when they start to, to come in, you stand your ground, you stand solid, and you might just create some some awareness in the flag so they so they kind of go, oh, crikey, I can see that there, you're there. But you make it big enough that they go, maybe I don't want to go in there. And then they go, well, I'll choose something else and they won't come in. So so you can do that as well. Um, but you want to be standing quite, quite solid when you do that. And the flag will create a bit of impulsion and they'll go, oh, well, I'm going to go this way instead. But just be careful that you not don't start to rely on that flag as a crutch because the other things aren't working very well. And that's why I'm a bit wary by just people getting the flag in their hand and just starting to, you know, use it as a as a corner cutter. So so use it as a as a you know this is not available. Um, so they so they don't come in and then he'll start to recognise you know it's almost like hot or colder you know oh that's the right spot there that's just the warm water there if I go this way it's too hot if I go that way it's too cold. And, and, and you can just show him exactly where you'd like him to be. If he comes in, you make it a bit hotter, and he goes, oh, that's not available, and then he'll start to look out and travel out again. So you can also add that into it. Uh, if, if you're good with it and careful with it, uh, it'll work fine. It won't it, it won't wreck him because, you, you know, as I say, you're not, not using it as the tool that just picks him up and chases him around all the time. It's just a it's just a more of a boundary tool on what's available and what's not available. That's great. That's, that sounds like a bit of a challenge in there for anyone listening to see if you can get your horse out on a straight line. It could be something that you've never even thought of doing before and uh, mm. trying it might just expose a few areas that you can work on. And of course, if you want to sort of find out about what Mark's talking about and any of the rope skills that are required to get this right and what you need, it's all on the membership. Thank you very much, Mark. It's great questions and um, answers. Talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jenny. Thanks, everybody. 
You can learn more from Mark and his approach online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. Join hundreds of others around the world making real progress, fixing problems and improving their relationship with their horses. There are now over 500 training videos. Make use of the seven-day free trial and take a look. Membership is just $15 a month and you get to ask Mark a question.